reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, there no, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have, him sit, have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his, this house be broken into. You must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an expected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Hey, I want to, you know, the thing is, this, this, um, uh, this sign in the front has given me grief. Because the sign in the front says, no judgment, only love. And I've had people push back on me this all the time. And I got to the point of frustration. I said, guy, it's just a total misprint. We, we got it for free. <laughs> I, I, I told him, I said, what it's supposed to say is, is no love, just judgment. <laughs> so are you happy, you know? So I get in these conversations on a weekly basis, and then I get this phone message. I want you to play a message. It was on the... Uh, Voicemail. Hi, I just drove by your church. I'm a former English teacher, and I'm a little bit concerned that your marquee used the word judgment, and it's misspelled. It should be J-U-D-G-M-E-N-T. There's no E in the middle. So FYI, for the next time you want to use that word, try to spell it correctly. Thank you. Bye. Okay. I don't need this right now. <laughs> because I have highly educated people on my staff and judgment is not one of the most highly misspelled words there is. So I decided, okay, forget this. I'm, I'm going to call her back. So I went to say, okay, Google, definition of judgment. And I looked at Google, spelled it with an E. So I, oh. so I, I, I sat down and I got my phone. I walked to the sign. It took me 22 pictures to get a steady picture because it's tremor, so I was out there for a half an hour trying to steady my, my tremor. Then I got back and, and I go, you know what, I'm going to send her this picture and I'm going to send her the definition of the spelling of judgment. So I go, okay, Google, spell judgment. Without an E. So I said, I go, which is it? Google's saying E and then the, the saying don't. So then I Googled judgment, because I'm ticked off, because if you listen to her voicemail, she was very cocky. She, she, I, I, I am an English teacher, and I am a moron, and, and you know, I know how to spell judgment. Let me spell it for you, because you don't know how it's spelled. And if you're going to do it, do it right. I get it. I get it. Okay. So, so then I go, so I looked at this, and I look at the judgment, and I'm going, how in the world am I spending an hour and a half on this lady that I'm getting judged for the spelling of no judgment. <laughs> right? That's what's happening now. And according to the dictionary, 
it is okay to spell it with an E or without an E. And the English version, preferably, is without an E, but if you're in Britain, it's with an E. So this goes in to my, why does everything need to be an argument? Why does everyone need to pick sides? Why does some lady feel the obligation to stop, look for the phone number, call, and just say, do it, with, that's it? Jennifer goes, you better be careful that she's not in church Sunday. <laughs> and I go, I don't think she'll be in church Sunday. You know, that's my gut feeling. And the reason I'm talking about this is uh, Brooke and I have been talking for months about how would we do a sermon series about our environment, what we're dealing with, the segregation that is happening, the sides that are taking place in the United States, and that we're going into a political year, uh, year in 2020. How do we as a body of Christ respond? Not react, but respond to this. And it's important because we, we titled the sermon series, Fight Fair, Jesus Politics. And I know what you're thinking, saying, Kevin, just don't talk about it. Don't deal with it. Just, we have to deal with it on TV. We have to deal with it all the time. And it, it, it just, it doesn't work. And so this is the last place I want to hear it. But hear me out for a minute. We have become so divided to a point where it's red team, blue team. I have friendships that have been affected by this. That I need to go, wow, I need to relax. I need to calm down. Just like that Taylor Swift, you need to calm down. Have you heard that song? It's a whole other subject, but this is what it means. You need to calm down. And so I look at this and I, and I say, how do we segregate? Why are we so separated within our political views? And so if I had a screen behind me, this is what, I, this is what would be on that screen. This series, of politics, this series of politics will not be about trying to persuade you to pick a partisan side. It won't be me trying to make you think Jesus is Democrat or Republican. It will be on how we can navigate through these polarized times while keeping our first allegiance to Jesus Christ and his kingdom rather than partisan and political team. Now, when I'm talking about politics, we have grown up in an environment that's full of politics. Your school that you went into in elementary school, it was full of politics. LAUSD, my wife, teaching, full of politics. Families have politics going on within their families. The church, even this church, has politics. And so political politics is part of who we are and our relationship. So I'm not just talking about our government politics and you voting, but I'm talking about how do we deal with our political lives? How do we deal with this? And so the first one I want to start is the definition that I'm going to use about what politics is. And this is my definition I'm going to use during the series. Politics is about the power to describe who gets what, when, and how. That's what we're going to use definition. So when you think of the kingdom or the nations of the kingdom of God, we always think, okay, the kingdom of God demands a king, a dictatorial leader, someone that makes a decision from above and then makes a decision, say, you have to live with this or you have to deal with this. And so therefore, when we hear the kingdom of God, 
we assume the kingdom is exactly the same as the kingdom of this world. But it's not. If we understand the definition of the kingdom of God, it's really incredible. Back on the imaginary screen. But the kingdom of Jesus describes in the opposite of that. It is an upside-down kingdom in which those with no power are the ones who really have the power. It is the kingdom in which the king himself humbly gives up power in his life. It is brought down by powerful earthly political forces, yet ultimately triumphs because of love. The politics of Jesus are always centered around the non-cohesive, uncontrolling power of God's love. And so, it's important to understand, now, now let us talk about the difference between the politics of Jesus and the human politics. And then we can understand how Jesus is very political, but it's completely different from you and I. Our politics are based on dualistic, either-or mentality. We are conservative, or liberal, Democrats, or Republicans. This either mentality divides us because the ego wants to be right. In order to be right, others have to be wrong. Therefore, we polarize with each other, with other people who we agree with, and demonize those on the other side of the line. We want to pull more people to our side of the line so that our team has the power to enforce the sense of, quote, rightness. Being right then becomes more important than love and relationships. Now follow me on this. On our sign that I get criticized constantly in the spelling of it, it is a deep, meaningful sign. Because no judgment, only love. I want to show you how powerful God's love is and how deep it love is. Love is not what people are perceiving what love is. This love is strong. It's enforced. And so, therefore, it's important. Jesus' politics always had love in it. His politics always faced love and relationships. That was important to Jesus. He loved everybody. And so back on the screen, where human politics force us to see only part of the picture, the politics of Jesus sees the whole picture, and the picture he sees is a picture of wholeness where nobody has to be a scapegoated, demonized, or to lose in order for others to win. In fact, the politics of Jesus are centered around him, intentionally including those that have been excluded and othered by human politics of, of all kinds. Now, the, this gospel reading was really deep for me, and I really got a total understanding, because a lot of the Pharisees and their uh, and other people were trying to entrap Jesus to make a political statement. And it's really deep if you understand this, because basically as a pastor, people know that I'm registered independent, but they're determined to put me on one side. And so they'll ask me questions. Are you pro-life or pro-choice? Where are you on this? Are you for the Second Amendment or are you for gun control? Where are you on this? And so you have to be very careful because we as humans do this. Are you like me or are you like them? And so where do you stand on this? And a lot of us are going, keep quiet, keep quiet, don't say anything, don't say anything. I'm just trying to make it through life. I don't want, you know, and all this stuff. And, and so, so this is interesting how we frame these questions where there's two options. They did this with Jesus because the big political 
thing back in Jesus' time was do we pay taxes to the emperor? That was a big thing. It was taxes. So if you notice the scripture, it was very interesting because they know how to kiss up to Jesus. They're trying to kiss up to his ego. And Jesus deals with it. Now, how he deals with it, I'm going to show you when you understand the historical view of it and understand who he's talking to, you just go, Shoot, Jesus is a genius here. He said, then the Pharisees, who were very religious people, who knew the Old Testament like the back of their hands, plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians. Herod, the Herodians are basically the followers of King Herod. And saying, teacher, we know that you are sincere. Here's a kiss up. You are sincere and teach the way of God according to with truth and show difference to no one for you do not regard people with partiality you see the kiss up here and so he goes tell us then what you think two choices is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not they're putting him in a position and he knows they're putting him in a position so this is very important because Jesus is smart he knows not to play this game he knows he's not going to take their side but he sees this as this incredible teaching view, and he sees this as, okay, let me get to the heart of the matter. Very quick, Jesus was. So follow me. But Jesus was aware, it says, of their malice. So he says, why are you putting me to the test? Get this, you hypocrites. So basically, he knows who he's dealing with. He's dealing with hypocrisy. And so he goes, show me the coin used to the tax. Uh, sh show me the coin used for the tax. He knows what the coin is, but he's making an illustration. So they gave him a coin called a denarius, I guess. And he holds the coin and basically says, then he said to them, whose head is this and whose title? So whose, what reflection is this coin reflecting? They answered, the emperor. Then he said to them, give therefore the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and now get this, and to God the things that are God. And when he heard this, they were amazed, so they left and went away. You and I read this, and we go, what's amazement? What's amazement? Now follow me. He's talking to Pharisees that knew it. Pharisees knew that they, by the Bible, the Old Testament, that they were created in the image of God. That coin reflected the image of Caesar. So he says, what belongs to God, give to God. And so basically, they got it that they were created in the image of God. So he was saying, give your life to God. It's not about Caesar. It's not about this, but give it to God. Be an example to God. Those, those Jesus were speaking to would all know that scripture said that they were made in the image of God. Therefore, Jesus was saying that what was the most important was to give ourselves to God. How do you do that? God has this lovingly giving God's self to us through creation and through making us into God's image. Most importantly, God has given us grace and truth in Jesus Christ so we can see what a human life given fully to God in love and service looks like. By grace and with gratitude, we simply live in our lives 
to respond to this great gift. So therefore, what I'm looking at, because I have very strong views, that I go, oh my goodness, if Jesus was saying that to me, look, do whatever you need to do here, but you need to live from, you, you need to reflect me. And there's times in my life that I haven't been the reflection of Jesus. I've been fighting. I've been in this discussion argument. When we're the reflection of Jesus, now follow me, that means we do something. That means we become something. And so it starts by remembering who we are. We belong to God, and therefore we live by God's love and avoid the either-or game. When we remember that we belong to God, we also remember that others with whom we may disagree also belong to God. And we are made in God's image, and we treat them according in the way we freely give the grace that has been given to us. This is hard. Because I have been on the verge of losing very, very good friends. That I, I look at their integrity, and they got incredible integrity. But we just have different views. And I'm going, why are they becoming the enemy? Why am I a pastor to follow Christ that basically it's them or me? It's them or us. And I, I've, I've, been, I've been as bad as this sometimes that we get into little cluster groups of what we believe and we talk about other people that don't believe the way we do. And so this, this, for, this is where it's, it's really important to understand how is God's calling me into what the times that we live in now. So I look at the book of Psalms and Psalms is incredible too because David, who was a king of a nation, and he talks about nations. He says this, happy is a nation, happy is a nation, for whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as, a herit as, as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven and he sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the heart of them all observe all their deeds. A king, now get this, a king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory. But by its great might, it cannot save. But truly the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast. Now get this, love. You get that? The love. You look at Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., people that changed the world, their whole thing was love. It wasn't fight, it wasn't anger. But that they made incredible movements. And I, and I look at this and I go, good night. Do you see the wisdom here in the psalmist? The hope and the political environment that we have in, David is saying, don't put your hope in there. Don't, it ain't, it ain't gonna work. You need to put your hope in him. And that he is still in control. And that God is still in control. If you're a Republican, you are going to be disappointed if you're putting your hope in the Republican Party. If you're a Democrat, you're going to get disappointed if you put all your hope in the Democratic and the Democrats. That war is, is in vain. It doesn't work. Our hope has to be in God. 
that has created this universe, that has created this world, and, and he loves us in the steadfast love that he has given us. No matter what political power is in power, God is in control. In our gospel reading from Luke this morning, uh, I want us to look at some of the good news here. And this is what was read. Do not be afraid, you little flock. Sounds like he's cussing, doesn't it? The little flock, okay? But do not be afraid, you little flock, for your kingdom father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give alms, make pursuits to yourself. Do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also. You see the good news here? Now follow me. We do not have to be afraid. God takes great joy in giving us the kingdom. All that God has is ours. Therefore, we are free to give what God, ourselves, and what we have. Back to God. Out of gratitude and love, it's our hearts are set on obtaining the power and wealth of earth. Our hearts with treasure and partisanship team, which we think most, most helps our causes. But if we know that the true treasure and grace freely received is given, our hearts will treasure God and God's loving kingdom in which we do not draw dividing lines and excluding people. For whenever we draw dividing lines, we categorize the other side as bad and we'll always be shocked to find Christ standing on the other side of the line because that's how God's grace works. And so however, it's just... To me, this there's times that I've seen people that the devil can separate. Satan is just really enjoying all this that's going on. We're not called to be part of the problem. I had to move my privilege away and I had to see what God sees. Because if it's not affecting me, then it's not a problem. And that's the problem. And we have to be very careful in that. Because a lot of us live in bubbles that are different bubbles. And I can't see your bubble because I'm too stuck in my bubble. And we're a bunch of bubbles. <laughs> Go blow bubbles and say, that's us. But Christ said, there ain't no bubbles. We need to work together. I love all of you. We need to figure this out. And so you may say, well, what do you think, Kevin? We shouldn't get into political things. We shouldn't say this. We should not vote. We shouldn't do this. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying God's kingdom is first. That's what I'm saying. God's kingdom is first. And a follower of Christ. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, look at the coins of reflection. That's why he was telling the Pharisee. That's why he was calling them hypocrites. That's why he was saying this. Now, be very careful in listening to what I say. Okay? I wish, because if the screen was going to go out, this is the wrong time for it to go out. Okay? Be open. I don't want you to get all defensive on me now. But follow me. The Republican Party's values are not aligned with the values of God's kingdom. Neither are the Democrats' Party's values. 
political parties value above all else obtaining and keeping power. It is a system which creates winners and losers. That is a value that is out of sync with the kingdom of value on the cross of Jesus Christ. Therefore, when Christians are beholden to a partisan side, they lose their witness of the gospel and the kingdom of God. Our politics are first and foremost the politics of the cross of Jesus Christ, which wins by losing and gains through giving. As I close this message, I mentioned to you about a month ago, and this is a hard message. You know, when the Lord puts something on your heart, you go, I don't want to say that. I, you know, because usually when the Lord puts something on your heart, the people don't want to hear it. They don't. That's why I'm, I, I wish we were in prosperity theology. I wish I could find that biblically somewhere. I wish. I got, one of these days I got to get, you know, Dennis. He does the greatest impression of a prosperity preacher. Oh, it is right on. It cracks me up. So one of these days I'm going to have him do it. Sorry. <laughs> but it's, it, it, it's funny. But when we look at this, about four weeks ago I said, if my people, and I read that scripture because I felt the Lord give me that scripture to you guys. And it's on, it says, if my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. That's what, God, that's what the, this thing says. And so Brooke and I were kind of putting this together. I'm going to use parts of this in the next four weeks, in the next three weeks. If my people who are called by my name, who is that? They're the ones who realize that they belong to what that means for them. They're the ones that know that I am called. And they know they belong first and foremost to God, not a political party. They know without a doubt they are created in the image of God. They understand God's love and grace for all people and live in response to that truth. In this time, we are, we are divisive politics where people are drawing times, lines of exclusion. Let our politics be the politics of love and inclusion. Like Jesus, let us not be trapped in the either or partisan politics. Let us strongly anchor ourselves in God's steadfast love for all people everywhere. Let us be people who freely give away the love which has so freely been given to us. So, am I going to keep the sign? Even if it's misspelled? No judgment, but understand the love will change the world. That's what we've seen in history. That's what we'll see in the future. Not getting bitter, not, not getting angry, not getting frustrated, not lashing out, but moving in the spirit of the Holy Spirit of this incredible love that Christ has for us. May God bless you. And may you be filled with his love this week.